Hello everyone, welcome to this week's Bit Effect where we have been playing Epic Mickey 2, The Power of Two. Friends, 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 I stand before you a changed man. I've seen the error of my way. Joining me tonight on this powered adventure of two, my second co-pilot. Oh, that didn't work. Anyway, Dave. Oh, that was nice. I like that. Can you do any more impressions? Uh, I can do Marvin the Martian. Uh, everybody can do Ray Romano. Uh, that's about it. Oh my goodness. I was meaning specifically Disney, but you know, whatever. Yeah, no, no, that is that is the only, and I can go, ha oh, and then oh. maybe a Pluto. That, I, that's I, about it. I can't it. even do that. I can't. Hello! See, mine's isn't high <laughs> enough for anything. <laughs> anyway, yes. Hi, Dave. Thank you for joining me to play Epic Mickey 2. Welcome, sir. So let's crack right into it. I've got stats here and then we'll go through a wee bit of history and the usual bump. So Epic Mickey 2, The Power of Two, it was developed by Junction Point Studios um, originally. Uh, Heavy Iron Studios and Blitz Games Studios for the Xbox 360, PS3 and Vita ports. Uh, published by Disney Interactive Studios, designed by One Spectre, which, by the way, we've got to come back to because that surprised me slightly, but then it didn't surprise me. Oh, yeah. Music composed by James Dooley and Mike Himmelstein, and it's part of the Epic Mickey series. It's the second game in a series of two, and it was released for the PlayStation 3, Wii, Xbox 360, Wii U, PlayStation Vita, and Windows, ranging from November 2012 right the way through till 2013 for the Vita and Windows ports. It's, it's good I, enough. I can't to... imagine too many people were chomping at the bit for well, a year. Nah, maybe not, actually. Um, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Oh, uh, really quick before we get going. Yes. Just so you guys know, we are having trouble with the, the voice communication. So if there's some weird edits, it's probably because of that. We're, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're just having trouble. Anyway, um, continue Dave, on, good sir. Dave said something there, but I didn't know what he said because it sounded like blip, 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 blip. But we'll figure things out. It'll be fine. We're just hoping that we yes. know each other well enough that no matter what, I will reply with what Dave was saying because we're in each other's minds. Well, you know, if we both just utter non-committal things when we hear the other person speak, like, huh, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. You know, we can probably just bullshit our way through this. Hmm. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> anyway, uh, cracking right into it, I've got a very ropey history as a no history at all. I've had Epic Mickey 2 sitting on my Wii U, uh, ready to play with my daughter for quite some time now, and we've just never quite got round to it. So this um, kind of forced, it, forced my hand slightly to play in it, which was nice. Dave, you get uh, a more robust... History with the Epic Mickey yes. Gang? Uh, my brilliant history starts way back when I played Epic Mickey 1, right before Epic Mickey 2, and, and I played them and finished them. And I went, okay, and moved on swiftly to other things. Uh, it's not really something I spent a lot of time thinking about, actually. That's interesting. Um, it's more interesting than my history. I didn't mean to make that sound so flippant. I was like, yeah, that's well interesting, Dave. Whoa. Hmm, never <laughs> thought of it that way, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I know I could ask for a brief history of your Disney, but I mean, come on, you're the same age as I am. We both grew up with Disney. Yeah. Are you really attached to the Disney franchises or is it just kind of this thing that you just like? 
Uh, it's just a thing. It's to be honest, it's just a thing. Disney's actually not been that big a part of my life. I was very much a Warner Brothers kid. Oh, to good start man. with. Disney's actually more taken um, a solid hold in the household on having kids. You know, the the kids love the Disney flick, and the, some of them oh, are yeah. really well written. And I I really do appreciate the art and the writing and and the effort that goes into making them. I think Disney isn't as big in my house as what it probably is in the rest of the UK. I mean, I would say probably worldwide by this point. Well, yeah, maybe worldwide. You could ask my wife; she could say something completely different. I don't know what she grew up watching, but I I grew up watching like Animaniacs. Uh yeah, I, I, it was weird for like daily watching. It was Looney Tunes, Animaniacs, that kind yep. of stuff. Yep. But you know, movies. It was always oh, it's a Disney movie. You know, because we grew up during that golden era of like Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and all that. Um, um, that it, I just wasn't. I wasn't exposed to them as much as what I think I probably should have been. Um, as I say, oh, Toy Story oh. and that were a different story. Oh, story. See what I did a there. Toy Story. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm toying around with puns. Um, ah. But the back Aladdin days, I should, but theoretically, given my age, have seen Aladdin and been like, Aladdin is the greatest thing ever. Nope. Never saw it. Huh. It was a big... Every time there was a new movie, at least, it was a big thing in my house. Of like, there's a new Disney movie. Let's all go see it. And we would all go see it. Then you'd get it a home video and watch it 900 times. Except Little Mermaid. You weren't allowed to like Little Mermaid because we were boys, Craig. Boys don't watch that. Now, uh, that's a really good movie. But then, no, I would have caught cooties from that VHS. It's funny. You, on saying that, you'd saying that now, the last one was Coco. And we still haven't seen it. Like, the girls have got no inclination to watching it. And I keep saying, come on, it's like... Day of the Dead, we've got this, that, and the other, and they're just... Have you showed them Grim Fandango to get them in the spirit? <laughs> no, unfortunately, <laughs> that that I, I don't want to go there yet because I would force them to use tank controls, and <laughs> watching someone else, like an eight-year-old, use tank controls is not something I want to go through <laughs> in life. Uh, no, like Kelsey, um, she is a huge, like, uh, anytime a Platinum Edition thing comes out on DVD or Blu-ray, well, we've got to have it. She very loves Disney history, all that stuff. Me, I've, I've always been kind of ambivalent. I, Mickey's the problem, right? Mm. Like, I guess we could talk getting into the game. Uh, yeah. Mickey's kind of a boring protagonist, isn't he? He is. I think Mickey suffers from being the mascot of the company. He's got to be bland, friend, family-friendly, a bit soulless and characterless. I think he's just... He's become a mascot, which... Well, it, I it submit doesn't for your approval, it. Bugs Bunny. Not oh. bland, not characterless, mm. very much the face of a company. I, okay, right, I retract that statement slightly, but I... I on no, I know what you mean. Yeah, he, Disney uh, uh, Mickey is very much the face of this is our mascot. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to have a personality because everybody knows that shape. You yeah. know what I mean? I think Mario suffers from the same thing. I think Mario in the beginning when he was like, "It's me, Mario. I'm from Where New he York." Ate cigarettes for a living. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mario had a character, but then between that and two games later. He's got a high-pitched voice and he's family-friendly and he's lost a bit of that character. I think he very much suffered the same fate as Mickey. That's not a bad That's not a bad comparison because Luigi still has a ton of personality to him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same with uh, the princess. Completely. She's got a 
personality. Yep. But Mario, really? Huh. Um, yeah. Like, uh, playing through Kingdom Hearts 3 recently, like, that really brought home, like, yeah, wow, Disney. That's, you know, playing through that whole franchise, you just, whoa, all these cool kid memories come back to you. Mm-hmm. All except Mickey. Like, I love Donald and Goofy. Donald and Goofy are, like, ace. Yeah. But Mickey, you're like, ah, whatever. I guess. That's fine. I'm the same. It doesn't have a hook. Not a literal hook. It doesn't have a, a a gimmick or a hook or something to draw you in. It doesn't have Bugsy's, Bugs Bunny's, you know, like, a lovely characteristic of chewing a carrot, chucking it to one side, that's all folks, and being a general dick to people. It doesn't have anything like that at all. Luigi's got his scared the catness and he's got his kind of wheeled ticks. Yeah. What does Mickey Mouse have? Uh, he has a dog. <laughs> um, he has a girlfriend. Actually, I think Minnie might have more personality than Mickey does. Oh, Minnie definitely does. I would I would much rather watch a Minnie Mouse film than a Mickey Mouse film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, poor Mickey, man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so... Anyway... And- we hate the character going into this game, just, just so you're yeah, aware. Yeah, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a shame. So, um, um, this game... Oh, sorry, on you go. You, you, you. Did you ever see an Oswald cartoon? No, like never. G- genuinely. Oh, really? And I don't, I don't know if I, this is a blasphemous, but I didn't know he was a character until I started playing this, and then I had to... Because th- I was looking at it thinking, he looks a wee bit like blooming Sam from Sam and Max... Yeah, yeah, I can or, see that a little bit, yeah. You know, like a, a weird rabbit? He looks like a weird rabbit. And then I had to Google and I was like, oh my God, he's an actual character. This is some sort of crazy mashup. Didn't know it was a thing at all. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, if you know Warner Brothers at all, Warner Brothers, uh, their like first major big character was like Bosco. So Oswald is kind of like the Bosco of Disney. He's oh, just okay. kind of this weird thing that was around in the 20s and 30s and... Because when I saw the cover, like, oh, wow, it's it's Oswald. Because I'm a dork. Weird. Because I do know Bosco. But this, oh, this really? Just... You know Bosco? Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Most people just look at me funny when I go, hey, you ever see a Bosco cartoon? No. Oh, Bos- okay. Bosco's like a monk, more like a monkey than Yeah, it's like bear. that rubber hose kind of yeah. animation style. Yeah. It's lovely. It's a lovely animation style, anyway. And it, I think what another thing that kind of watching the cutscenes from this. And this is jumping slightly far ahead, but watching the cutscenes for this made me pine for more Cuphead. Oh yeah, that Fleischer style. Yeah, yeah. And the DLC is coming out soon or soonish. I think it's soon. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Switch is getting exclusive DLC. And everybody else is getting the uh, second DLC. Like, I think there's some DLC to where you can play as Mario and Luigi instead of Cuphead and Mugman. Oh, okay. Which is, you know, par for the course. It is, but it's going to be really difficult as Luigi sliding about the place and jumping on every enemy. Yeah, but you jump really high. So, you know. <laughs> Off the screen. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Back on track, given it's 12 minutes in and we've not got anywhere yet. <laughs> Epic Mickey 2. It sees us follow uh, Mickey and Oswald through an adventure wherein the world is in danger in some way, shape or form. It never quite got to grips. There was a doctor that appears to be the antagonist from the previous game. Yes, sir. But he is now 
in on the good guy's side, and there are evil robot... I don't even know the descriptive word for these kind of enemies, but there's, there's weird enemies running about the Animatronics? Place. Animatronics, that's the word. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. And it's Mickey and Oswald's job to go and save the world. There is roughly one, two primary mechanics, one of them being standard kind of like 3D platforming, and the other one is you have a paint brush gun projectile and a paint thinner. Is that right? Yep. Paint thinner. And you can work through the world adding and removing objects. So you see an outline of a platform and you can spray paint on it and you build the platform. Equally, there's a blocked doorway with something in it. You can paint thin it and remove that object to then progress through the level. It's a very neat, very cool mechanic. I really like that core mechanic because it, it adds that wee bit of freedom to the game that only recently we've been speaking about what did we play? Prey. Yeah. Which ties quite nicely into this in a way that I never even expected but playing Prey and getting that freedom, you kind of feel that a wee bit here. There is a certain freedom and a certain choice driven way to going about the world. Do you add to the world and paint more into it or do you rip everything away with paint thinner? And the game actually changes depending on which choices you make. Which, when you realise Warren Spector was involved with it, was where it makes kind of all thought, the sense in the world. That makes all this it does, it makes all the sense. I hadn't realised that he was involved in these games. So I read an interview with him specifically about Epic Mickey 2, in which he stated that in the first game you had choices. You could make the same kind of choices. You could fill things in and you could delete things and you could... There's a fork in the road and you can go left and then get so far down it and think, do you know what? No, I want to go down the other way and run back and go down the other way. So in Epic Mickey 2, he took it a step further. He thought, Epic Mickey, we gave the players choice and they could take back that choice. Epic Mickey 2, there is no taking back of choice. There's a doorway, and if you thin the paint on it, you've made that choice, and there's no going back, and it does have consequences. And it was a really interesting reading. It was making me like really think, really a lot about this. And just the the, the side note that ties it in: one inspector worked for Looking Glass. Looking Glass was the O four five one System Shock thief people. So he worked in all these games, and he jumped from a world of System Shock into Disney. It's amazing. It's the the guy's journey is just incredible. It really is incredible to let read. Yeah, I mean, I mean, reading interviews about this guy, he obviously really loves Disney. Like, oh, really yeah. loves Disney. Um, Definitely. When, uh, I didn't finish it again a second time because, well, you know, I got things to play. But um, I remember the first time I got the thinner ending. Not the Stephen King book, but the uh, Epic Mickey ending. Yeah, Mickey was not wasting away until he was just a bones, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I remember when I played it, I read like one or two interviews and went, oh, hey, okay, it's Warren Spector, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I didn't really pay attention to the choices and whatnot, and once you get mm-hmm. to the end, I'm like, oh, oh, this is cool. Yeah. So a lot of it is actually dictated by the choice at the end of the tutorial. So the end of the tutorial oh, yeah. is very much the doorway, and there's half of a treasure chest showing and then half of a gap through the door 
so you can remove the treasure chest using paint thinner and proceed or you can fill in the rest of the door gaining the treasure chest so at the time I was thinking oh this is a wee bit of a gamble do I take the treasure chest or do I thin it out and take whatever loot is there and it plays out very much like you're thinning and you're taking it wasn't the thing that was on the screen that threw me it was the the narrator saying will you add to the world or will you take it away or will you dissolve it or it was the phrasing will you take away from the world or will you add to the world I thought this is already deeper than what I ever expected like I had <laughs> that moment where I stood at the door and I was like this is going to make a difference uh, what did you do? I, I, I painted I painted as much as humanly possible because I gravitate towards that in inverted commas good endings and, and I always just assume that doing positive things especially with the phrasing of that creates a good ending and a positive experience so it's always good uh, I will say like Epic Mickey uh, one definitely and two to some degree uh, the only reason why I got the bad ending was because using thinner is a lot easier it's easier to kill bosses it's mm. easier to do puzzles things like that so I like that kind of split where if you take the easy path then that's also the bad path you have to work harder to get the good i like that when a game does that that's very cool yeah kind of like um let let's say dishonored right they kind of have it inverted to where it is a lot more fun to be the bad guy yep but not as much fun to be the good guy Exactly. I I was going to say the same thing, but not on the, the fun side of things, but the good-bad side of things. You're often tasked with eliminating one person, and if you go through an entire level and eliminate 200 people, all of a sudden you're swimming in rats. And it's quite odd. I was the king of the rats <laughs> You were the, the yeah, end of that. I you out of curiosity, I mean, so do you think in Dishonored, I know this is a sidetrack, but mm -hmm. do you think it's as fun to play the good path than it is to play the bad? I, honestly, I, you know, yeah. my heart lies in stealth and sneaking, and I played Dishonored and Deus Ex and everything else of this ilk, never being spotted, never killing anyone. And the thought never even occurred to me to play it the other way until you, good sir, I didn't mean to sound so <laughs> internet nerdy there, good sir, you had good, said, sir. it's very fun. It's very fun picking up people and throwing them about the place or freezing a bullet in midair, manoeuvring the enemy that shot it in front of the bullet and having the bullet <laughs> kill themselves. I never even thought of that fun aspect. So when I went back and played the first Dishonored as a raging lunatic, I had so much fun. I never, I never knew you could have so much fun. And then I found online there's people that do. It's not quite a speed run. It's not a speed run of getting through the level. It's a think high production Matrix style elimination of oh, everyone. Oh okay, yeah. Oh my. God, people picking up stuff and throwing something and blinking somewhere else and seeing it kill someone from a different angle. And it's so beautifully choreographed that I thought, that's actually the ultimate way to play this game is to just flawlessly and beautifully traverse through the world, annihilating everything. On it, honestly, I, it amazes me. And that, to me, is more difficult than the stealth and the sneaking. I find 
the stealth and the sneaking because I'm probably combat averse or a bit shit at sword play. Let's say that's why I suck at Dark Souls and things. If you <laughs> if you could sneak your way past every boss in Dark Souls, I would have finished. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, yeah, like like this. That was actually some of my problem with Dishonored One. And if we ever do a podcast about it, I'll definitely elaborate more. But some of my problem was, oh, the fun way to do it is the bad way. That's not fair. But we'll save that for another time. Um. Yeah, every once in a while, you should, um, when you're in a game, just be like, now, how, how would Dave do this? Like, um, yeah. My daughter's playing Horizon, and she's being super sneaky, stealthy, and, you know, looking at their tracks, and, okay, well, I'll plan a trap here, and then go high. And she's like, Dad, I, I can't beat this one encounter. I'm like, yeah, let me see it. And she should have seen her flip out when I just go running in and start bashing everything with the bow. <laughs> but it works. I mean, if you can't. Beat it. Beat it. Beat it. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Epic Mickey 2. Oh, uh, God, we didn't yeah, really Epic describe the way the game actually works. Um, it is very much a 3D platformer. Um, I would say there's there's not a lot of enemies in it. It, it much more focuses on the actual platforming of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And to me, that's sort of the problem. Like, how did you now, this being on Wii U, if you're not using the... the the god-awful abomination of the tablet controller, mm-hmm. the gamepad, uh, you have to use the um, classic controller, which I think works okay. Like, that's how I played it. I played through with the classic controller. Um, but the camera, I don't think, ever really works well. I didn't have as much problems as what I thought I would with things like the camera. And there's things, it's unnoticeable things that I, afterwards I thought, oh, hang on a second, I had less trouble... 3D platforming, you know that 3D platforming thing where you jump and you miss the platform because it, you just can't flip and tell. Yeah, no your spatial possession. awareness. Yeah, it's it's off. I had less of that in this than I've had in a lot of 3D platformers. Um, really? Yeah, really, really. And I don't think the camera bothered me too much either, which is odd. It's an odd one. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't remember it being hard. I just remember kind of that. Uh, Mario 64 thing where it's like just just get in the right just it was uh you would do like or maybe a Tomb Raider thing I guess that's closer you'd do like one or two jumps and then okay hold on I have to readjust the camera it didn't have that um the only one I can think right now is Ratchet and Clank thing where it smoothly oh, it follows pans. you and adjusts yeah. as you're going yeah Hon- so honestly. it was like one or two jumps and then move yeah, no, that that does very much occur, but I think that's the way I normally do things, is I set myself up really carefully, just because I know that I'm probably going to not make <laughs> it. And I have to take care, because I'm a bit crap. Um, a, a specialised question for you, sir, is, on the scale from zero to hat in time, uh-huh. where do you think the platforming lands? Okay, I would say... If if Hat and Time is a ten, are we talking Hat and Time is a ten? Well, yeah, because you you loved that game, right? Okay, I would say Epic Mickey, just on the platforming alone, would be a two. That's that's pretty damning, old boy. It's damning, but most of that is on the fact that it's so simple and a bit. This is this this is the other thing is I think it's a game that Amelie could play. And probably enjoy more than I would. I thought a lot of it was too simple, and I thought that 
the platforming itself just felt like because I wasn't having trouble with it, it felt like a bit of a chore at times. It never felt like I was doing anything other than going dun 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 right, I'm in this I've fallen down another hole, so let's just go and kill these three enemies and keep on moving. I didn't take as much joy from it. The one thing I did like about the platforming was the using the paint to build platforms. Oh yes, very cool. While you're going, I thought that was pretty cool and it was very kind of felt very creative even though it's it's within the constraints of the floaty blobby things it gives you a bit of freedom there you end up making your own fun sometimes with the okay i see the outline of that platform i'm not gonna spray it in yet i'm gonna jump then look down do that shotgun blast of paint exactly and then land on it and it's moment it's moments like that that make me think it is too simple. You're creating challenge for yourself that's completely unnecessary because otherwise you're just spraying in front of you and running. Like, they could have engineered scenarios where you had to do that. You know, like, one of my favourite things of any games where you're having to do things like that is Portal. And a lot of the times, you know, like, you're on a moving platform heading towards that fire and you've got to shoot left then shoot up and jump through the portal at the right time to manage to get through it or avoid an obstacle. I wish they'd done a bit more of that. Um, you using Portal as a example just means that we have more than one religious difference between us, sir. <laughs> I, I don't really hold Portal in that high a regard. Oh. Um, but you know what this reminded me of, good sir, tip of my fedora. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> knack is what it reminded me of. I've never, pl- I've, I've genuinely never played it. I always <laughs> thought it was going to be a bit shit, so I've just not touched well, it. Well, let me tell you, sir, your your estimation is not very far off from the truth. Um, it's a perfectly serviceable game. It plays a lot like Baby's First God of War. But if you've played a game with any other type of complexity of what you're used to, like, you know, us as adults, it's not bad. It just gets so boring. And then you end up just not paying attention and then you end up dying and then you get frustrated and you're like, the stupid game is so easy. I sh-, you know, it, it's just, I don't know if we're the audience for this, which is weird, right? Because an eight-year-old will not appreciate them, including the skeleton dance cartoon or all these weird extras. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. It's really caught in that void because the target audience will not appreciate all the little bits of charm and nostalgia and everything else thrown in. But somebody who yeah. appreciates all that nostalgia will not appreciate the gameplay. Yeah. I I th- had the, the, the very same thought because I originally thought, I'll show Emily this skeleton dance and I just thought, I'll show it and she'll just be like, meh. And I'm thinking, you're right, but I took it to be the specifically like Warren, big Disney man, big, big Disney man. And I just took it as a sign of the love and care that went into creating it. The cutscenes are phenomenal. The musical, the the, the musical numbers, oh or whatever, yeah, yeah, they're, like the evil doctor sings. Like Disney hint, Disney hints, Disney hits, and it's it's perfect. There's a bit, and I'll try and cut it in if I remember to. But there's a bit where the evil doctor is singing, and he's he's singing at Oswald, and he's like, "What do you think?" And Oswald went, I don't know. And the doctor's like gesturing as if to say, you need to sing back at me. <laughs> Wait, it's not a happy day. Wasteland is in danger, I would say. Hey, Doc, you okay? 
And I'm like, tiny wee things like that just make me just go, oh, do you know what, that's that's brilliant. And although it doesn't speak to me being a massive Disney nut, I really see and appreciate the, the attention and the love that's went into it. So when I looked at the, the art, the, you know, like the um, the sketches that are included, the skeleton oh, dance, yeah. all of that kind of stuff, and you just think, when you see an extras menu on a game... A lot of the times you can be, end up being disappointed because it might be a bit crud, or it yeah, might be some concept online art. Pass view yeah, manual. yeah, or yeah, even worse. I'm saying concept art. It might be something <laughs> as as literally crap as that. Um, but when I hit the extras in this, I thought, oh, that's that's really nice actually. Um, yeah. Um. I was a big skeleton dance fan as a kid. Anytime that would come on, it's like, all right, this is the good stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's kind of hard to be harsh on this game because we might not be the intended audience, but I don't think this ever found an intended audience. It being on the Wii U really didn't help it any, but I think th- this series is kind of halted in arrested development. It's just kind of, uh, we never found an audience. I guess we won't do a three. Even though owning it, I think it's worth it to own it. If well, okay, if you're a big Disney guy or mm-hmm. gal, um, it's just not really a fun game. It's not. And I actually, if you go down the Disney route and go, I'm a massive Disney fan. Why not just go and pick up Kingdom Hearts or something like that? You know, like something that's got big, heavy hitting. Cross, yeah. Uh, um, oh, what's the word? Cross media. Uh, cross. No, um, as in not just well, cross franchise. So it's across all the Disney franchises. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like you, you've got everything thrown in there. You get Frozen, you get Toy Story, you get everything, a little bit of everything in there. That's the Disney game. That is the Disney game to play. To me. Yeah, I guess I guess you'd really only want this if you're a huge Mickey fan. Yep. Which, if you are, there's a gentleman named Donald Duck who's way better. Not to mention Scrooge and Goofy and mm-hmm. Chip and Dale and every, everybody else. Um, here's a question for you: Do you think it would have worked better as an animated movie? Yes. Because that would be very interesting to see. I never, I never even, I never even thought about that. But my gut says, yeah. Like I never even had to think hard. It it plays like a game that's trying to tell a story that it would be just as well telling you rather than making you experience. Yeah, I mean, if you saw a Disney movie with Mickey's flinging paint thinner to make things disappear, and it, that would be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, so, well, let, let's do uh, final thoughts here. Because um, yeah. I would say if you're a big Mickey fan or you just appreciate old Disney, I would say it's worth it because it can't be too expensive nowadays. I mean, I had a copy, but I can't imagine it goes for much more than ten, fifteen. dollars uh, Final thoughts, sir? I'll be brief here, I suppose. I enjoyed playing this. I really appreciated the paint and paint thinner mechanic and the choices that that presented in gameplay in general 3D platforming and in the wider 
your choice impacts what story you get. I really, I really did like that. I love the artwork and the animation style that goes into the cutscenes. Um, the game itself feels fairly solid. I didn't really notice any kind of glitchiness, nothing like that. Overall, it's a really wonderfully packaged Mickey game. And if you're a Mickey fan, play it because it is a Mickey game. But for me, I just I I was very much what Dave said earlier. I think I'm in the target demographic for it. I think I am because of the way it's presented, and it just didn't quite float my boat. And that's weird because I've said this about a game before. Which one? I can't remember. It's just clicked that exact phrasing. We've done what so did- many, Greg. This will be episode like 164 or something like that. Oh my there was gosh. a game, I know, there was a game we played that I finished my final thoughts saying it didn't float my boat and it was very much to do with it was aimed at me personally, but it still didn't work. Can't remember. If I remember, yeah. I'll put it in the notes somewhere. Or if you're starting the Bit Effect wiki page, perhaps mm-hmm. you could send us a link and pointed out exactly <laughs> exactly anyway dave what what's what are your parting shots all right um well i already said my final thoughts but uh coming up next oh, yeah. oh, is yeah. the next retro rewind game will be yo noid because why not it ends with y and y is the worst letter to have to pick games from it if you really don't want to play east you're pretty much screwed <laughs> Um, yep. Then what will be the next big bit effect game? Uh, that's a good question. Just off the top of my head, is it Star um, Fox? It is. Dun, 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 dun. It is next week is Star Fox. Ah, but it's not just Star Fox now, is it, Craig? We're adding a bonus. <gasps> we are adding a bonus, so we are going to play Star Fox Zero, which it turns out isn't going to stretch two episodes it might not even get one episode it might get a half episode not entirely we could, sure we could play everything we say at half speed and it probably still wouldn't fill an episode yeah so on top of Star Fox we are going to be playing are you saying it or am I you say it I did the oh um is it Captain Toad's treasure tracker it is Captain Toad's treasure tracker yes I remembered <laughs> uh, a game I have played like three levels of and went okie doke kind of the same with Star Fox see it's a game that I've played probably three levels off as well and went this is amazing I need to make some time and play this so this is that time years and years later um, okay so if you want to get a hold of us and suggest a retro rewind game we will you know put a break in between our letter shenanigans to do a game if you suggest it uh, you can do that at on Facebook, Instagram, you can email us at thebiteffect.com. And we, of course, have those forms on the website if you'd like to use them. Yep. Uh, oh, quick question, Craig, to end this with. And uh, I guess, listener, if you if you have an answer to this, it'd be cool if you sent it in. Do you think it would be better if another, let's say, Warner Brothers got this kind of treatment? Like, would you be a lot more game for, let's say, nothing in this changed... But it was Bugs Bunny. You're asking the listener that. You're not asking me that, are you? Well, I'm also asking you. Because for me, if oh. this was Bugs Bunny, Power of Two, I might give it more of a shot. 
it does sound like a good thing having another character swapped out that you would like more but I think what that illustrates is the game itself has very little to do with the character. Mickey doesn't have a hook. At least with Bugs Bunny, you could be shooting carrots at someone. Or with Taz, you could be spin attacking them. You know, or, That's and, a good point. You know what I mean? The fact that you could swap in another character, it, it, it just really highlights how little of a Mickey game this is. It's a story with Mickey in it that the game has very little to do with. And that's a very good point. I hope I articulated that correctly. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I get your point. Um, And the last question before we get out of here, because it run a little long, is who is your favorite Looney Tune? It's Taz. Taz had a certain air of class about him. <laughs> he was able was to articulate... That? Yep, he was able to articulate his thoughts perfectly... And I think he did a really good job of everything. If anything, this just proves we need to play a couple Looney Tunes games for the show. I actually think we should probably do that. Do you know that? Because there's a few good ones in there. There's a few ones I remember as good. It's been a long time since I played them. I mean, to be I remember the Taz game as being good, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Ah, see, I remember the Duck Dodgers game as being good. And that I don't remember if it's good or not. I just remember renting it and going, ah, this is a lot of fun. All right, you know what? Let's get out of here, Craig. Yeah, uh, right. Okay, right. Well, uh, catch you later, guys. Please do submit another game so that we don't have to play the same um, crap that we pick every time. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time on the episode we release after this. Yeah, and also, I just want to leave saying Dave's catchphrase, which I've only noticed after editing 160 out of these is, Peace! Peace! I know the Guardians can make me a tune again. I played Mickey and Oswald for fools! But even I couldn't know that the earthquakes would strike when they sucked up the Guardian pools. And that wasn't even a part of my plan! A plan that's evil as can be. It won't be long till Wasteland will be destroyed, and very soon I'll be a tune. Dear Diary, who's the maddest mad doctor of all? Wonderfully!